Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good afternoon. Glad to have everyone here with us today. This is your call to worship. Today is March 2nd. 2024. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, Thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us. And thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Today for our serving team, we have Zoom moderator and Ministry of Music, Bob Pierce. Brother Bob Pierce has been with us and is very faithful. We have then the preached word by our own pastor, Dr. Millicent Black. We have uh, invitation to discipleship by our own sister, Greta Ayers. I am your worship leader and I am Minister Rochelle Jones. Today is the first Saturday of the month. We will be offering the Lord's Supper, our Holy Communion. So sometimes before we arrive at that point in the service, please gather your elements or a and piece of bread or cracker along with water, juice, or wine. We ask all of you on this call, to prayer in your daily prayers. We're asking that you pray for refuge from the storm. The worldwide church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who have died from targeting, Pray for all government officials to be moved by the Holy Spirit and discern the will of God. Please pray for world peace, 
the worldwide climate crisis, all refugees, particularly Haitian and African who have suffered extreme abuses in their countries. Also, remember to pray for Israel. Pray for all victims of gun violence, stabbings, and all violence with their families. Pray for all children, especially the missing and trafficked. Pray for TIs who have had their children taken away unjustly by an unjust court system. And pray for the unhoused, both targeted and untargeted, to obtain housing that will help them to have peace, who satanic frequencies are harming them. We will have an opening song by the Minister of Music, Bob Pierce. you what it is you going back and listening to in your private time it's called Corinthian song and the person singing it was Kathy Taylor and it starts off I'm a vessel full of power and it's from the presence of the Lord so she was acknowledging that she in and of herself have no power but when you factor in the power of the Lord, that makes you a vessel full of power. And the adversary doesn't want us to know that. He wants us to feel like we are weak and unable and incapable and not good enough and can't measure up and can't carry the weight and can't stand under the burden. But I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. And the father of them is what Jesus said. We are vessels full of power, yet to understand how to tap in to the power that God has imparted unto us. It's been a day for me. I mean, a day for me. And the perpetrator has been challenging me with the words of the message all day long. Since four o'clock this morning, I've been being challenged by the words of this message today, the words of the scripture. But he forgot to factor in the fact that the word of God has the power. God said he opposed the world by the word of his power. So we're going to go on through this afternoon. We're going through this service. I believe in God that you're going to come out on the other end of it, convinced that you are a vessel full of power. I was going to physical therapy a couple of years ago, and it was about this same right leg that is giving me problems right now. And the therapist had to finally give up trying to rehab this knee, this leg. She said, no sin is just your, your, your muscle just won't hold the, the weight, the, the strength. But she reminded me, she's a Christian woman. She reminded me, she says, but I need you to listen to Kathy Taylor. That's the Corinthian song. She says, I'm a vessel full of power and it's the power of the Lord. And so it doesn't matter what our situations and our circumstances dictate. We have to remember who's in charge. 
because the winds and the waves lied to Peter, right? He heard the winds and he saw the waves and he became afraid. They were lying even in Jesus. Jesus was present. And Peter became afraid and began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. But if you will keep your eyes on Jesus, it won't matter what the situations or the circumstances say. You're still a vessel and you're still full of power because it's the presence of the Lord that dictates the power. Well, good afternoon to some and good evening to others. I give honor to the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I thank God for bringing us to another first Saturday or first Sabbath of, the, of, the, of a new month, of a brand new month. Thanks to each of you for your presence at this service, because I realize that you could have done other things with your time this afternoon. But I am so grateful that you chose to spend this time in worship with us. Because this is how the power gets to us. We come together as a collective unit determined to give God praise and to give him glory. And God's response to us is to give us power. So now don't you forget, I'm a vessel full of power, but it's not mine. So we don't want to open up our mouth and let the word wrong words come out. It's the power, the presence of the Lord. It is with sincere thanks that I acknowledge the ministry team this, this afternoon. Brother Bob has been wearing two hats for quite a while. And Minister Rochelle has been wearing three or four or five hats in the community for quite a while. And we're so thankful to both of them that they're willing to pinch in and give us their assistance. Then we have our advisory board who have been for the last almost nine years, y'all. We're, we're coming to the end of our eighth year. Next month is our church anniversary. But we have our advisory board who also gives us their time, their talents, and their treasure to help us be a bona fide, real church of the living God in an organized fashion. So I want to say to all of you who serve in any capacity that I appreciate your commitment to God and to this ministry. I also want to include uh, Sister Cassandra Williams, Sister Greta Ayers, and Sister Cassandra Lewis. They are also, and, and, and coming on board to our brother Daniel Shell. He, they are all in one way or another contributing to the work of the kingdom. And all of your time is volunteer. People need to understand we give of our time, our talents and our treasures back to the master that gives them to us. And you are the benefactors, you, the, the listeners, the visitors, and those who by uh, computer or other means, in, even in foreign countries, are the benefactors of their faithfulness and sincere devotion to the fulfillment of the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our scripture this afternoon is coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And at the last minute, I, I went back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Uh, so that we can be reminded, and, and, and I'm going to believe God to bring it all together. I'll be reading from the King James Version, and then I'll read verse seven. I'll, I'll just quote verse seven. That was my first sermon title 
when I, I preached my first sermon in um, at the Baptist church in 2001, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and verse 7, which is the song that Kathy Taylor just sung. But it reads, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 read, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the gospel, of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. And then verse 7 says, but we have in us a treasure. We have in these jars of clay a treasure that the excellency of the power may be found to be of God and not of us. Let us pray. Strong and faithful Father, we thank you today, God, for your word. We thank you, Father, that you are constantly reminding us of who we are. You are not slack, oh God, to remind us that there's power available to us and it's already resident on the inside of us. And if we don't have enough, God, we thank you that Jesus promised us living water. He said it's available, it's on the inside and it's able to spring up from within. We pray, God, today that as we come to you, oh Lord, seeking more of you, that you, oh God, will help us to leave this place, this time of, of Worship, God, with less of us and more of you, God. It's a grand exchange, and we're so willing, oh God, to give up all that we're not for all that Jesus is. Thank you, oh God, that you thought enough of us to send Jesus, oh God, to, to die on our behalf, that we might have that exchange, Father, not just of his power, oh God, but also of your grace and your mercy, of your goodness and your justice, and of your great love for us. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless this word today. Cause it to be what you need it to be, what you want it to be, God. What the people need today, oh Lord. Don't let anyone go away unfulfilled, but rather fill us, oh God, individually, according to your will, by the power of your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of the message this afternoon is Fighting the Battle for Your Mind. Fighting the Battle for your mind. All of us have problems with thoughts. Those that are not ours and the ones that are, they sometimes fly in and out at the speed that we can't keep up with. Today, military weapons are being used on civilians as research and development, unethical experimentation, and even as weapons of death and destruction within the confines of these United States. And guess what? Many of them are against our minds. The reality is that there is a battle for your mind in this world. Many of us might not have known about this warfare had it not knocked on our door and came to make itself at home as chaos in our lives. 
One book that is described concerning this battlefield is called The Battle for Your Mind, Psychological Warfare. It was written by an author called Viral Serg. I'm sure that he joins the others in describing the kinds of, of battles that he himself has been through as he has tried to maintain his sanity, hold on to the power that God has promised him, and still be able to stand and walk and talk and be intelligent in his communication style while weapons are fighting him in his mind. Dr. James Giordano describes it as the brain is the battlefield of the future. Y'all heard that, right? Many of you have already heard or seen that video. It's on YouTube. If you haven't, I encourage you to go look at it. It's again entitled, The Brain is the Battlefield of the Future. And he was making this presentation to the Modern War Institute. One man posted his opinion about the Giordano video on Reddit. And he said that the idea that the brain is the battlefield of the future is a growing concern in the field of neuroethics. Neuroscience has produced technology that makes it not just possible, but a reality to manipulate and control the brain and behavior of individuals. Y'all, there's actually an article, it, and it was produced by a law journal, believe it or not, and it's entitled, The One Who Controls the Mind Controls the Body. So we really have to be cautious and aware of who we're following. Thousands of victims are voicing concern that the military and intelligence agencies are using this technology on the United States population. There are some serious ethical questions being raised and lawsuits being filed about the use and abuse of these technologies of which we ourselves are witnesses. In addition to secular books and videos that have been used to tell the story of illegal and unethical human research, Targeted individuals have also written books about their experiences as they fight for the freedom to use their own minds. They tell us of the battle that is waged between our ears. I don't mean with knives and guns, but with suggestions and insinuations that you must pay attention to. You must pay attention because subconsciously, you may be being fed lies and things that would not be pleasing to God or to you. And so we have to be willing and ready to consciously cast down and read them. And that is out, read the words of power to produce a harvest in your life. I used to pray that every single day in the early years of targeting. I would ask God I, to, I just counsel the power of the words. I cast them down and asked God to render them powerless to produce a harvest in my life. I didn't want anything that wasn't coming to me from God. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves sidelined, shipwrecked, or even climbing out of a ditch of emotions and frustrations if we follow the words and the thoughts and the insinuations and the suggestions of those who are ungodly. Joyce Meyer wrote a book entitled The Battlefield of the Mind. Many years ago, I was actually going through the beginning of this war against my mind, and I did not know what it was. 
I don't even think that people called it spiritual warfare in the 90s, but Joyce Meyer had it on her heart to help us stand in spite of the opposition that was coming at us from the enemy of our souls. Others wrote books to help us learn more about the battle and how we as Christians are to fight. I'm not saying that these titles that I'm about to read are the best ones. They're just titles that I found when I checked to see what is out there. I was real happy to see that Bishop Noel Jones, who is the pastor of our own minister, Rochelle Jones, has contributed to a book and it's entitled Battle for the Mind. How you can think the thoughts of God. Now, one of the things I want to remind you of reasons, I guess, that I'm reading titles and maybe suggesting that you may want to purchase a book or so, be sure you're led by the Holy Spirit, is because these books can be used to give you other ideas, to clarify some, some uh, questions in your mind and to help you wage the battle for your mind. Tim LaHaye, he was one of the contributors to the movie series Left Behind. He wrote a book, and it's also entitled Battle for the Mind. Then there was one that was of interest to me. It was written by a, a. Leslie Perot, Jr. It's entitled The Battle for Your Mind, colon, Understanding the Sanctified Personality. One of the things when they change your mind, they also are seeking to change your personality. They're seeking to change who God made you to be and want you to begin to become what they say. Now, understand, they're not going to come to your face and, and, and sit down with you at the dinner table. They're not going to appear and ride with you in the car or knock on your door and stand in your door and try to convince you of anything. All of this is coming as 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 spiritual warfare. That means it's coming through the airways as words and thoughts and situations that you cannot see. And when you can't see it, you can't easily fight it. And then lastly, there was a book that was entitled Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions. When people talk about their soul, they're talking about the mind, the will, and the emotions. And it's by Robert Hodgkin, who writes, all of heaven is available to you right now through the finished work of the cross. I'll read that again because I want you to understand it. All of heaven is available to you right now through the finished work of the cross. He says that the reason it doesn't feel it, feel like it, is because there is a battle for your mind, your will, and your emotions. Y'all, Satan does not want us to know how much power we have. My mother would tell me that almost every time she saw me after this high-tech torture began. They had already been explained what it was about. He was lying to them, but he had explained to the whole community what was about to happen to me. I had many friends. I had lots of church involvement, was always out doing good things. And people would have asked questions had he not already explained to them what was supposed to be happening. And the end for me was supposed to have been good. But he was after their mind, their will, and their emotions to take them under his control because he later announced himself as a mind control programming expert. 
So they were relinquishing the control of their thoughts, of their mind, their will, and their emotions to a guy who was had become the son of the father of lies. But the reason for this conflict against our mind is to keep us from discovering the fullness of God's presence, of his power, and of his kingdom. Jesus said to the disciples before he went to the cross, the kingdom is within you. Imagine if each one of us could access the power of the kingdom of God and it's just on the inside of us. Why do you think the enemy wants to stop you from thinking right? He don't mind you thinking anything except what God said. So it's critical that we partner with the Holy Trinity so that we can win this battle. When selecting a book for spiritual guidance, be sure that you read the inside or back cover to see if it really is offering what you need and definitely be opening your spirit to the leadership from God himself. I have purchased a lot of books. Y'all, I'll, y'all, I'll just let you in on a secret. I have been a recovering bookaholic for many years. When I go to the college, if they're giving away books, it is all I can do to not take one more book home. Most of the time, I don't make it before that's, that giveaway is over. And sometimes it lasts two weeks. Sometimes it seems like they let it last an extra week or two just to make sure I'm going to fall off the wagon and get another book. And I have taken them home. I've ridden them around in the car for years on end. I put them here, there, and everywhere. I still have some on my bookshelf right now with the library's label on it that, that they marked through so that I could take it home for free. But right now at our, at our public library, they are giving away books. And I want y'all to know it is all I can do to not bring a book out of there because I have a love for books and always have. But I've purchased some books that didn't fit my need and I didn't know that until I got it home and took a closer look. But no matter whose book you select to read, be sure that it helps you to learn that there really is a treasure in you. And that treasure is the word of God that promises to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. We are advised that winning the battle for your mind is the secret to walking in the more of God that has been provided for you to fulfill the call of God on your life. The battle is in the mind. As long there is a saying that if they can lock you up in your mind, They'll lock you up in your body. You know why? Because you won't go any farther than your mind allows you to. Now, the book of 2 Corinthians is a continuation of the correspondence that the Apostle Paul had with the church at Corinth and the ongoing opposition from the false prophets against Paul for teaching truth to the believers. The promise of God is that the entrance of the word brings light. So whenever we get revelation from the word of God, we get more light on the inside of us. The more light we have, the less darkness we have. Though Corinth was a prosperous and flourishing Roman and Jewish settlement, it was full of corruption and immorality. 
So there was always the battle to win back the souls that got saved into the kingdom of, of God through Jesus Christ. In fact, Corinth was called Sin City because it was the seat of so much darkness, pagan worship and illicit sex. The Christians had to be taught how to live in peace with one another. And there remained the opposition to Paul for being a leader in Corinth and his need to defend his position. They were coming at Paul from every direction, trying to discredit him, trying to destroy his confidence in who God was and, and, and the assignment that Jesus had given him. You see, they were after Paul's mind too. Because if they could have convinced Paul that he wasn't on the right track, that Jesus didn't send him, that he didn't have the, the, the power and the backing of the Holy Spirit, Paul would have closed up shop and went on. He would have stopped trying to convince the, the Christians at Corinth that they could make a, a difference in the world for Jesus Christ. So as we get into the pericope today, I am sure that the Apostle Paul is very well aware of the war that was being waged in the mind. He had to deal with criticism of the scribes and the priests and of the false teachers, mistrust of the people that knew of his past, the abuse of being a carrier of the gospel. Paul had to go through arrests and beatings and on and on. In addition to the physical abuse, his mind had to be tormented by the jailers who would put him in stocks and tell him to pray himself free or the spirits of the devil that came to torment him as in chapter nine of, of second Corinthians, when he said it was a messenger from Satan that came to buffet him. Do you think he came to, to, to his face? You think he came and knocked on the door of the place where Paul was spending the night and said, I came to spend the night with you. No, this was a spiritual battle and it came to keep him awake and see how long he can, he could badger him until he could try and get him off of his mission to save the world for Jesus Christ. And then there were the fleshly agents of the devil, those in the earth. You know, we have some of those. We call them perpetrators. Those who may meet us at the grocery store, follow us around town. Those who may sometimes get a, 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 a tailgate party going on and you're the one that they are following around town. Those are those fleshly ones, those that you can see, and they want you to be intimidated just by the seeing of them. But we have to learn to be like Peter and treat them like the winds and the waves and know that Jesus is standing right there. We are often confronted by people who are not of the faith as well as the challenges of a spiritual level by those on a spiritual level, by those who want to destabilize our stance as followers of Jesus Christ. Even today, people will ask you, has God said, what makes you such a Christian? Why would he choose you for this task? You know, you know, you all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes he'll use our family members to, to try and see if he can stop us from achieving the task that God has sent us into the earth to achieve. Paul starts by assuring the church that the weapons that they fight with are not carnal. Courts, lawyers, and fists are not what God uses to win wars in the earth. 
but the power of God is shown when they resort to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to fight these battles. They really are spiritual in that the devil is the initiator of all chaos on the earth. I remember talking to a clinical psychologist about these targeting experiences. She assured me that I was not an MK Ultra victim, but rather that I was dealing with spiritual warfare. I was a little bit appalled because it didn't seem like any spiritual warfare I'd ever fought before. So that in my mind meant that my fight was with the devil. That's the only warfare we usually ever think about. After all, Paul did say, as Minister Rochelle read earlier, that uh, the we fight against flesh, not flesh and blood, but against spiritual spiritual wickedness in high places, against uh, the powers of the darkness of this age. And so you don't think about when someone is hitting you with weapons and you know that someone is a human being, you don't think about that as being a spiritual warfare. I couldn't see that because I used the word of God. I used the blood of Jesus and I used the name of Jesus and nothing happened. These attacks to my body continued to come. The problems with sleep did not cease and the attitudinal changes of my friends and family were definitely strange. This is before I knew about the technology that is designed to change and control the thoughts and behavior of humans. And so Paul said, the weapons of our warfare, he was telling the church, we don't fight like the world. Now they, you know, they could easily go get a lawyer, take their opponent to church, whether they were their sister or a stranger, uh, take them to court and, and, and win big dollar rewards against them. But Paul says, when we are Christian, when we are sisters and brothers in Christ, we don't fight one another that way. So he said, though we live in the flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh. And I'm sure that each one of you have had a strong desire to go and hit one of the perpetrators anywhere you thought you could reach, especially when they were you know, messing with you in a store or following you around in a store or, or, or sometimes our neighbors, we think are it's our neighbors after us. And But see, that's the war. That's the fleshly war. But Paul said to the church at Corinth that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a house of thoughts. If you don't believe me, just think back over some of the things that has gotten you going around in circles. The enemy likes to wake us up in the middle of the night with some thought going on in your head. And he just begins to stoke it like a uh, you're stoking a fireplace or a stove. He will put in another another log of lies. Then he'll throw in another few words of uh, that are offensive. And then he'll say, you remember when she said this, 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 and this? And I heard her the other day just talking about you like a dog. You know what I'm saying? Those are, he's building up a stronghold in your mind 
about a situation or a circumstance. And it takes the power of God to pull it down. It takes the knowledge of how to use the word of God, the blood of Jesus and the name Jesus to pull it down. Because those thoughts, that house of thoughts isn't made with brick and mortar. It doesn't have nails or screws. It's made by insinuations, suggestions, and things that we don't see. So when we use the, the, the weapons that God gives us, you'll find that it's not like um, the, the uh, uh, three little pigs and, and, and the fox or the wolf who will huff and puff till he blows it down. No, we will use the word of God. We'll use the name Jesus and we will call, use the blood of Jesus until that house falls that house of thoughts, those suggestions that will keep us going around in circles, causing us to worry and be in distress. And then he says, it's to the casting down of arguments. Now, have you ever had an argument with yourself over whether someone did or did not do what you think they did or did or did not say what you thought they said until you are just full of fury at the person? We, as children of God, have to learn that we sometimes hear it wrong. We sometimes see it wrong. When I was growing up, they used to say, you're supposed to believe half, only half of what you see and none of what you hear. And now it's almost, you have to believe almost none of what you see and none of what you hear. You know why? because of the capacity of these weapons and, and satellite beams and all other things to, to give us virtual reality, anything, and make us believe that wrong is right and right is wrong. And so we have to learn to cast down the arguments, cast it down. I mean, like I sometimes see myself putting the perpetrator in a body slam. I used to watch wrestling with my granddad on Saturday afternoons. and We had black and white television. And Daddy Rowe would not miss the wrestling. And they would get those men in a body slam, pick them up and slam them down. Y'all, sometimes I'd have to stop myself from sitting in church, body slamming the, the, the arguments that was coming at me by that perpetrator. We have to learn to do that. And God would give you the tools that you need to be able to do that, to cast them down, to throw them away, treat them like our, you remember our parents tell us to drop something like it was a hot iron. We'll learn how to drop thoughts and drop arguments that come at us like a hot iron. You know why? Because the adversary has come to steal your peace, to rob you of your joy, and to destroy your life. Then Paul said, anything we have to, uh, uh, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we have to turn away from it. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That would be the perpetrators. That would be the, the enemy of our soul, both in the heavens and in the earth. Because sometimes the old devil does get in on the game. But all too often, it's just these men, the flesh and blood that Paul said we're not supposed to war against. I looked up Desert Storm, for that's the first time I heard about the voice of God 
technology. And the wonder of what happened in Desert Storm is reported even by NBC News is that the Iraqi soldiers came out with their hands up because they thought they heard Allah tell them to give up. Now, y'all, that was, that was something that exalted itself against the knowledge of even their God, and they obeyed. It's called the long-range acoustic device. It directs intense sound in a narrow cone. The sound is so clear and so powerful that it was nicknamed the voice of God. I actually received unclassified documents as a FOIA request from Army Intelligence and Security at Fort George Meade in 2012 on this very technology. And it said in it, if you didn't know any better, you would think you were hearing voices. I, I filed those uh, documents in my county courthouse so that they wouldn't get lost. But those voices can give you arguments and those arguments will begin to tell you, go and slap. But that's not what God said. You wake up in the morning, you don't want to go to work. Just call in sick. My grandmother taught us that you don't pretend to be sick under any circumstances. But that's that's the knowledge of God says, and let the weak say they are strong and let the strong say they are, are, are weak. The knowledge of God says that Jehovah Rapha is our healer. So we don't want to ever get in alignment with any words that is not according to the knowledge of God. That's why we want to study our Bibles. In 2 Timothy, Paul advises Timothy to study, to show yourself approved, a, a, a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the reason we need to be able to study so that we know who God is, we know God's character, we know what he will say and what he won't, we know what he will do and what he won't, because sometimes... Jesus had an encounter with, with Satan when he came out of, out of the wilderness after 40 days and 40 nights. And what Satan was asking Jesus to do was totally against the knowledge that Jesus had of God to cast himself down off of a high mountain, to turn bricks into, uh, bricks, uh, rocks into stone, stones into bread. G and Jesus followed him up every single time with it is written. He went right back to the word of God. For in the word, we find knowledge of what God, who God is, what he will do and what he wants. And then Paul said, we have to be ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Jesus faced the battle of the mind. In Gethsemane, where he went to pray before his betrayal by Judas and arrest, Jesus prayed for strength to carry out the last assignment that was death on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus had to cast down the imaginations of what it was going to feel like to be nailed to a cross, how it was going to, he was going to be able to last hanging like others that he must have seen at other times hanging on crosses. Jesus had to cast down the imagination of what it was going to feel like to have some of those demon spirits flying around him and taunting him and, ter and trying to terrorize him so that he would come down off the cross. And once he got those imaginations under control, 
Then the thoughts began again, and he had to learn to take those thoughts captive when they came up with the what ifs, what if God doesn't save you? What if the father decides to leave you there longer than you expect? What if when you go to the grave, he doesn't call you out? What if he never lets you come back to heaven? Those were thoughts that had to be taken captive. But the word of God says Jesus got to the nevertheless. Not my will, but thine be done. And once Jesus got to the nevertheless, that meant he got his own thoughts under control. He took them obedience to the obedience of God. And he was then ready to make everything else obey God. It didn't matter what happened from there to the cross. It did not matter who said what, where, where, when. You'll remember that he was when he was in the, in the courts as they took him through. Whatever they said, Jesus only said, you said. He knew that once he got the nevertheless out, he was being obedient to the word of God and everything else was going to have to line up. We have to see that that's the way it is for us today. Once we can can get to the place where we so align and enmesh our will with the will of God, once we get to the place of God, it doesn't matter. Do as Job say, though he slay me yet, will I trust him? And I've been there before. Had to get to that place. You need to understand that that's when you've lined up in a place of obedience and you can make everything else bow their knee at the name of Jesus. So we are on a road today, y'all. We are on a road, but we're not on a road that has not been traveled by Jesus himself. Jesus' own mind was under attack. It says he would have he would have given up and fainted in his mind if he didn't know who his father was. And because we know who our father is, we know our father can be trusted. We understand that father God has not left us alone. He has not allowed our enemies to triumph over us. And he did not allow them to triumph over Jesus because Jesus won. We win the, ah, hallelujah, the battle of the mind. Amen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.